think it's about time they gave brothers and sisters goddamn rights, and especially the women. Marsha was very good-natured. She was funny. She laughed. But that shouldn't be mistaken for a lack of serious purpose and political intent. Her mission in life is going about spreading peace and goodwill, giving license to, you don't have to be dressed up in a suit. You can express yourself. She became, to me, like a bodhisattva, a holy person who would wander the village in whatever adornment she wanted, uh, being at peace. How will this affect you, your job? Darling, I don't have a job. I'm on welfare. I have no intention of getting a job as long as this country discriminates against homosexuals. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and this is issue number 78. Welcome, welcome, welcome back all. This is Pride Month. Uh, So thank you all and happy Pride Month. Now, we're in the midst of a pandemic. COVID is going on. We also have, if you haven't noticed, we've had a lot of uh, protesting and a lot of shaking up of the status quo for the last few, I don't know, not even really days, weeks. Um, With all of the tension that's going on um, socially, and outside of everyone's fucking uh, bedroom window and front door, uh, I wanted to take a different turn with this episode, not focusing on a character, but on an actual person. Uh, this issue, we will be discussing Marsha P. Johnson. Um, some people may be aware, some people may not. There may be varying degrees of uh, understanding about Marsha P. Johnson. So... This is going to be my kind of kickoff for Pride Month and for going forward. Because uh, though I am focused on comics and related media, I do think that it is important to highlight this LGBTQAI community as often as possible. This black portion of the community specifically. Now, Johnson was one of the first drag queens to go to the Stonewall Inn after they began allowing women and drag queens inside. It was previously a bar for only gay men. On the early morning hours of June 28th of 1969, the Stonewall Uprising occurred. While the first two nights of rioting were most intense, the clashes with the police would result in a series of spontaneous demonstrations and marches throughout the gay neighborhoods of Greenwich Greenwich, Greenwich Village, Greenwich Village mm, for roughly a week afterwards. Now... If you can't find similarities to what the hell is going on in today through that, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, this episode could have come out on the 28th. That is a Sunday, but like I said, I wanted to kick off pride month with, uh, with this story It's a very important one. It's very important to highlight the fact that Marsha P. Johnson is a black person. Now I was not made aware of Marsha growing up. Um, it wasn't until like later on in my twenties that I was even that that name meant something to me. I remember being on a trip to New York with a few friends of mine and going past the Stonewall Inn, and one of my homegirls, cis heterosexual girl, she was like, "Yeah, that's 
she said something and she said Stonewall. I can't remember it verbatim what it was that she said, but I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a nice looking place. And I kept on moving. And she was like, do you not, do you not understand what that, you know, what that establishment is, how, what the importance is? I was like, no. And getting older, doing the research, being uh, taught by other people uh, online, people, friends and family, people who knew, it's just another failure on the part of the larger system that I was not made aware of Marsha P. Johnson growing up. Uh, much like the, the history books are written by the victors of the wars or of the battles, you won't get a history book that says, oh, and we came in and raped and pillaged and took over all this fucking land. It's like, no, we discovered this land and now it's ours. You know, so the, I say all that to say that I'm still learning. Um, I'm not even embarrassed at my ignorance because now I'm an adult and I can uh, research and, and look for these things and this understanding on my own. But a lot of this stuff I feel like should have been taught, should have been part of a curriculum, should have been in something that everybody knew about. Um, I don't think that with this being a quote-unquote gay uprising or a gay issue that it should stop, it should begin and end there. Whenever anyone bucks the system, regardless to the um, the identity of those persons, I think it's good for everyone to know. You know, I, it's just... Uh, so we'll get right in. So, actually, before that, use that hashtag CBNPod when you're listening to this podcast. Um, CBNLGBTQ is the other hashtag that's specifically for uh, just promoting queer, LGBTQAI persons and gender non-conforming. Any projects you may have, you want to get your stories out or whatever, please use that hashtag. Again, it is CBNLGBTQ. So, uh, Marsha P. Johnson... Mm-mm-mm. Now, Johnson was born Malcolm Michaels Jr. This was back in August 24th of 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey with six siblings and a father, Malcolm Michaels Sr., who was an assembly line worker in General Motors. Johnson's mother, Alberta Claiborne, was a housekeeper. Uh, Marsha attended an African Methodist Episcopal Church as a child and remained devoutly religious later in life, often taking an interest in Catholicism, but also making offerings to the saints in a more personal matter. Um, it was noted that she kept a private altar at her home. Now, Johnson first began wearing dresses at the age of five, but stopped temporarily due to harassment by boys who lived in the neighborhood. Again, <laughs> If you, oh man, okay. So after this, Johnson described the idea um, of being gay as sort of a dream. Now, this was in an interview back in 1992, and to man, the the dissonance that you have, that you, okay, I just I couldn't imagine. Okay, <laughs> take a couple steps back. People oftentimes view certain parts of history with things like rose-colored glasses and this, uh, like, fond nostalgia. Um, you get people who are, like, hell-bent on, man, the 80s was the best time period. No, it was the 70s. No, it was the 20s. Um, and to think of all these stories that come out, history books uh, passed on by word of mouth, by different communities and the stories that make it to the textbooks and that make it to the forefront of these of, of children of the K through 12 
and to see that so many marginalized people are removed from the narrative or or diminished their role in it or altered uh, which is why again you know i fight for representation in comics and related media uh and that's from books video games activism any and everything that's all encompassing but reading that statement that the idea of being gay was some sort of a dream like you couldn't even fathom that that was something that was attainable or something that you could be outwardly um exciting like you just oh man this is kind of personal for me so i'm gonna try to get through this as cleanly as possible but I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Now, rather than something that seemed possible. So, again, Johnson described the idea of being gay as some sort of a dream rather than something that seemed possible. Hmm. And so chose to remain asexual. Now, leaving for New York at the age of 17, Johnson's mother reportedly said that being homosexual is like being lower than a dog. So, again, like, Godly, the emotional and psychological fucking trauma and warfare and that you have to endure from every angle, neighborhood motherfuckers, people in your goddamn house, friends, family, motherfuckers who think they mean well. It's just and religious figures. And then for Marsha to be so devoutly religious and to also be getting it on that front it's just like man the 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 shit that that we overcome or that we work through still making great names for ourselves or you know living on but just having that i don't know so johnson said that alberta was unaware of the lgbt community now after graduating from the former edison high school in Elizabeth back in 1963, Johnson left home for New York with $15 and a bag of clothes. Now, I don't know what $15 back in 63 equates to for $15. Uh, I don't know what it equates to in, in money in 2020. If anyone knows, let me know. Uh, tweet me, Carefree Blur, uh, CBN Pod, CBN LGBTQ. I'd love to find out. <laughs> I'll do some digging. But if you know and you're listening to this, tweet me or leave a comment. Now, a bag of clothes and $15 in your pocket. Johnson waited on tables after moving to the Greenwich Village in 1966. Now, after meeting gay people in the city, Johnson finally felt it was possible to be gay and was able to come out. So, 17 years may not seem like a long time to you, but imagine you listening who are cishet or, um, well, yeah, speaking to y'all directly. Can you imagine having crushes and going on dates and holding hands and having your first kiss and uh having your parents and older cousins and family members like oh hey tamika you got a boyfriend at school or hey tyrone you know you didn't liking anybody to have that freedom and that normal normalcy and then imagine having that taken away yes 17 years may not seem like a long time but god damn 17 years is a long time to be in hiding or to have to learn the brutal truth that you cannot be yourself to have to learn not just by someone maybe telling you ahead of time like oh life's going to be hard but to learn in real time from being harassed being attacked being beat up being beat down by the religious and the authority figures and then by your very own family members for your mother to say being gay is lower than a dog God damn. Oh, so to get to 
this point and being able to come out uh that's one of the not stereotypes what is it for lack of a better term stereotypes of new york and lots of times you see people in movies and tv shows going to the big apple so they can be them true selves okay uh it, just like even going to la i want to be an actor i want to be a record producer you go off to la now i don't know if those examples or tropes or stereotypes for lack of a better term holds true today in this digital age but that was the running theme any show from the 60s on up you can imagine when it's dealing with new york though you still have the crime and the uh, villain of the week and the political stuff but when you look at tv shows that center new york um my experience has been it's that move to the Big Apple, be who you want to be, recreate yourself, uh, be artsy, be open, be progressive. And man, oh man, to have that freedom. Now, Johnson initially used the moniker Black Marsha, but later decided on the drag queen name Marsha P. Johnson. <laughs> so Johnson got the name Johnson from the restaurant Howard Johnson on 42nd Street stating that the P in Marsha P. Johnson meant pay it no mind. So, <laughs> and used that phrase sarcastically when questioned about gender, saying it stands for pay it no mind. Now, Johnson said that the phrase, um, excuse me, Johnson once said that phrase to a judge who was very, <laughs> who was humored by it. So that humor led to Johnson's release. Now, Marsha uh, variably identified as a gay and a transvestite and a queen, referring to drag queen, of course. Now, according to Susan Stryker, a professor of human gender and sexuality studies at the University of Arizona, Johnson's gender expression could probably be more accurately called gender nonconforming. Uh, Johnson never self-identified with the term transgender, but that term was also not a widely used term back when Johnson was alive. So even that, like we, we have all these terms and we have a lot of progression in technology and vocabulary and um, awareness and uh, visibility but and this is why I do like older TV shows and movies and properties however problematic they are a kind of um, staple of that time and to see Marsha someone who of course I've never met never knew but to see Marsha being Marsha in the 60s take that exact same person ideas thoughts and whatnot and bring it to 2020 when now you have so many different words and phrases you know memes to to educate and to identify um that's something that's interesting to me so um again i'm learning i'm still learning i'm not even going to act like i know everything that being said if anything that i say during this issue is incorrect um slightly off any facts or dates that are off please feel free to let me know um i i, I just I, i'm not embarrassed to say i'm still learning uh but getting back to what i was saying before to look at someone who's um lives in their truth and they're back in the 60s and the 70s but then to see that same type of person now and have ways to identify that person with words that weren't widely used or even created back then to me that's such an amazing thing as well um a bit of a tangent you see in disney a lot of characters are coded as queer um the villains usually uh, dr dramatic makeup dark bold colors um look at javar and look at um ursula look at scar even like look at them versus the protagonist in these stories and see why people 
gays especially flock to these characters um I, man i'm just i'm i'm kind of y'all i'm trying to bring it back because i'm i'm trying not to go off on a tangent but i'm just um um this is real time will be no editing this is just this is me <laughs> this is this is me <laughs> so anywho um johnson's style of drag was not serious it wasn't high drag it wasn't show drag um and this is noted as being due to Johnson being unable to purchase clothing from these expensive stores. Now, it, it's not lost on me the pose of it all, pose on FX, when going through Marsha's history, and I'm wondering if that'll be touched on a bit more this upcoming season. Who knows? But when I read through and look at a lot of Marsha's videos and information about her and her friends and the surrounding community i put it in context of pose just because that's i think the most um closely or more most adjacent project that we have for large consumption so to speak i mean there is the paris's burning of it all but pose is like a household show at this point um, so when you when I go through this portion of Johnson's kind of description and history, it reminds me of Blanca, who is on the show, doesn't pass as well as the other trans women and is not wealthy like um, Electra and has to shop in a way that is very grab and go. Uh, if I'm even if I'm stealing or if I'm paying for it, I got to get what what's around. It does if it don't fit, if it's too big. Oh well, we'll worry about that later. And that's what this remind me of. Uh, so not a high drag or a show drag, but a do what you got and make it work. Now Johnson received leftovers uh, flowers after sleeping under tables used for sorting flowers in the flower district of Manhattan. And was known for wearing crowns of fresh flowers. So that was like her thing. <laughs> Johnson was tall, slender, and often dressed in flowing robes and shiny dresses. Red plastic heels and bright wigs. Which uh, tended to draw a lot of attention, of course. Like, just imagine that. Even if you saw that today. Tall, slender, dark-skinned black woman, trans or cis, with long flowing dresses, crown of roses on her head, big big dramatic makeup. Like, imagine seeing that today. Even in 2020, that would, call, that would bring attention to it. Now, as Edmund White writes in his 1979 Village Voice article entitled The Politics of Drag, Johnson also liked dressing in ways that would display the inter- interests between masculine and feminine a featured photo of johnson in this article shows johnson in a flowing wig and makeup and a translucent skirt pant and parka highlighting the ways that quoting kate millett's sexual politics white says she is both masculine and feminine at once now reading through that this reminds me of none other than Grace Jones. Like who, in description alone, tall, slender, dark skin, long flowing dresses, high cheekbones, uh, just, to me, just sounds the same. Or uh, very similar, rather. Now, there is some existing footage of Johnson doing full, glamorous high drag on stage, but most of Johnson's performances work was with groups that were more kind of grassroots, guerrilla style, comedic, and political. Johnson sang and performed as a member of J, and I'm going to butcher this name, Carmicis, C, no, Camicis, mm, C-A-M-I-C-I-A-S, 
<laughs> uh, if you know how to pronounce that, please let me know because I'm definitely butcher that. Now, Johnson sang and performed as a member of J, that name, <laughs> international New York City-based drag performance troupe, Hot Peaches. Bro, Hot Peaches? Fam, what I wouldn't give to see a full-on concert from Hot Peaches. Uh, now, this was from 1972 through uh, the shows back in the 90s. Now, when the Cockettes, Cockettes, yeah, Hot Peaches and Cockettes. So, when the Cockettes, a similar drag troupe from San Francisco, formed an East Coast troupe, the Angels of Light. Johnson was also asked to perform with them. So, this, okay, I'm just, let me, let's take that back. Marsha performed in a drag troupe, a international New York City-based drag troupe called Hot Peaches from 72 through to the 90s. The Coquettes, a similar drag troupe from San Francisco. <laughs> Bro, they created the Angels of Light and Johnson was also asked to perform with them. So you so damn good that they like, let's let's scoop up Marsha right now. But Hot Peaches, the Coquettes, and Angels of Light. Man, that sounds like... A series of like gay black exploitation films with like some Foxy Brown spy shit with some Dolomite Tony. Now, <laughs> in 1973, Johnson performed the role of the Gypsy Queen in the Angels production, The Enchanted Miracle, about the comet Coquit. Mm, and you know what? Co yes, about the comet K <laughs> in 1975. Now, Johnson was photographed by famed artist, you may know him, this little name, Mr. Andy Warhol, as part of the Ladies and Gentlemen series of Polaroids. Back in 1990, Johnson performed with the Hot Peaches in London. Oh, man. So that's this is a lot like, again, that whole move to New York, go to the Big Apple and live out your dreams. Like you move there with $15 and a sack of clothes, bus tables got connected with all these different it's like such an exciting time I, I liken it to going away to college in a whole nother state getting involved in so many activities uh, getting you know a bit more political and more um kind of um solidified in your viewpoints and then branching off and just hitting the road for like road trips with your friends going off to protest certain things and going off and joining fraternities, sororities, and youth groups, and what, just like this exciting time, post high school, but pre-full adulthood, and just living, oh my god, like imagine that, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and oh man, okay, so uh, now as an AIDS activist, Johnson also appeared in the Hot Peaches production, The Heat. This is back in 1990, singing the song Love while wearing an act up silence equals death button. Now, the act up was a, <coughs> excuse me, AIDS coalition to unleash power. Act up. It was an international grassroots political group working to end the AIDS pandemic. The group worked to improve the lives of many people with AIDS and through direction to me, direct action, medical research, treatment, and advocacy, and working to change legislation and public policies. Like, this is a lot of shit that, looking back on it, is so grand, it's so large. It's like you had this, um, this, this phenomenal resume, this body of work, both political and arts, artsy, artistic. <laughs> but imagine living in that moment, just experiencing all of these different things and just how exciting that must have been. 
17 years old, graduate, leave the house, $15, a sack of clothes, go to New York, and then your life just goes into overdrive. I'm sure there's highs and lows just like with everybody. Marshall wasn't a wealthy person. But to be in that exciting space, I, man, all right, y'all. Now, like I mentioned, Johnson was one of the first drag queens to go to the Stonewall Inn. Now, Johnson has been named along with Zazu Nova and Jackie Hormona by a number of the Stonewall veterans interviewed by David Carter in his book, Stonewall, The Riots That Sparked the Gay Revolution. Now, they were noted as being the three individuals known to have been the vanguard, the freaking vanguard of the pushback against the police at the uprising. Johnson denies starting the uprising. Uh, now, back in 1987, Johnson recalled arriving around 2, 2 a.m. 2 that morning that the riots had already started. By that time that the Stonewall building was on fire, the cops set it on fire. After the cops set it on fire, the cops set it on fire. <sighs> the riots reportedly started around 1, 20, 1 that morning um, after, and I'm going to get this wrong, Stormy De Leveri, I believe that's it, fought back against the police who attempted to arrest her that night. So again, this is incited and amplified by who other than the cops? Shit. Now, Carter writes that Robin Souza had reported that fellow Stonewall veterans and gay activists such as Morty Manford and Marty Robinson had told Souza that on the first night, Johnson threw a shot glass at the mirror in the torch bar screaming, I got my civil rights. Mm. Sousa told the Gay Activist Alliance shortly afterwards that it was the shot glass that was heard around the world. Like, <laughs> what the shot glass that was heard around the world? Now, Carter, however, concluded that Robinson had given several different accounts of that night and none of the accounts where Johnson's name brought up. Possibly in fear that he could publicly, uh, that if he publicly credited the uprising to Marsha, then Marsha's well-known mental state and gender non-conforming could have been used effectively by the movement's opponents. Which is, again, you go through your life, you're being beat down or shown firsthand that you are less than. Your own mama think you're lesser than a dog. You get away, you get this exciting life, you, you get this freedom, and even in something so dramatic and so earth-shattering and, and this event still have to possibly be silenced or have your role diminished so that others can't use that against you. Like, your very being can taint a movement or something. Like, it's... it's Oh, that intersection, that black and queer and living in America and just... Oh, my God, y'all. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Um, yeah, so that could have been used to, against them. Man. Now, the alleged shot glass incident also has been heavily disputed. Now, prior to Carter's book, it was claimed that Johnson had thrown a brick at the police officer, an account that was never verified. Marshall also confirmed not being present at the Stonewall Inn when the riots broke out, but instead had heard about it and went to get Sylvia Rivera, who was at a park uptown sleeping on a bench to tell her about it. Now, again, if you have more information, more solid information, anything that's different from what I'm reporting, 
please let me know. I am not afraid or embarrassed of being incorrect, of getting dates wrong, of getting uh, of of being corrected. That's not an issue for me because the at the end of the day, I just want the story out there. Now. Again, Sylvia Rivera was sleeping on a park bench. Like, oh my God. <clears throat> However, many have corroborated that in the second night, Marsha climbed up a lamppost and dropped the bag with the brick in it down on a cop car, shattering the windshield, which is like, go ahead, girl, do it. Now, following the Stonewall uprising, Johnson joined the Gay Liberation Front and participated in the first Christopher Street Libertarian. Mm, nope, like, nope. Pride Rally, Christopher Street Pride Rally on the first anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion in June of 1970. One of Johnson's most notable direct actions occurred in August of 1970, staging a sit-in protest at Weinstein Hall at the New York University alongside fellow Gay Liberation Front members after administration canceled a dance when they found out it was sponsored by a gay organization. Like, again... The fighting just to be seen as equal, just to have the same rights, just to be viewed in the same way. Like, I know we're dealing with a lot now, and shit could always be worse, but god damn it, like, oh man. I want to say it was the 4th of July. We were going to meet at midnight, but she never showed up. She was in danger. I was there when they pulled her out. Marsha was so full of life. Marsha P. Johnson was the Rosa Parks of the LGBT movement. Darling, I want my gay rights now! Her case has been cold for 25 years. I'm calling from the Anti-Violence Project here in New York City. I want to try to give Marsha justice. Marsha! Marsha! Street people and the drag queens were the vanguard of the movement. Stonewall. Marsh and I fought the cops off. We were in the streets turning over cars. The movement started the next day. Marsha was famous all around the world. But even famous people, cases go cold. This is her case. It's hard for me to believe that she would commit suicide. A lot of people think it was a murder. Marsha had a fear about the mafia. Something's wrong. We keep on running into a brick wall. You a private investigator? No. Don't play detective yourself, all right? Leave this to the people that should handle it. We want justice here! To find out who the hell murdered Marsha! I have been beaten. I have been thrown in jail. I have lost my job for gay liberation. Revolution now! I don't bite my tongue for nobody, which can get you murdered, you know. The police just brush it off. I'll get to the bottom of it. There's a massive number of trans women who have been murdered. And they're yelling out from their graves. For justice. Now, shortly after that, Johnson and close friend Sylvia Rivera co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, or STAR, organization. Um, now, with that being said, this may be a bit of a reach, but I wonder if 
star the TV show. Mm, nope, I'm not going to go there. Now, initially, was titled Street Transvestites Actual Revolutionaries. The two of them became a visible presence at gay liberation marches and other radical political actions. In 1973, Johnson and Rivera were banned from participating in the Gay Pride Parade by the Gay and Lesbian Committee, who were administering the event, saying that they weren't going to allow drag queens. Bitch, what? At their marches, claiming that they were giving them a bad name. And this goes back to, again, like, and I don't know, again, if this is so much of a stretch, but it feels like people nowadays who are so against femininity and, and against femmes, trans women, uh, feminine men, even within the gay community, having some of these ideas being reinforced. And that's what this feels like to me. Now, it may feel different. It may be different. But reading through that and learning about this section of uh, Marx's history feels very much that way. Like you're giving me a bad name. And, and the very idea to say that this is giving you a bad name feels like, yes, we're gay. We're in this alliance, but we're passing in a sense. We are gay people who are cisgendered who can not necessarily pass for being straight but have a very are the more quote-unquote acceptable gay like when someone says um like when you when you meet a more uh masculine male who's gay and a more feminine woman who's gay and it's like oh they're acceptable but a slightly more butch woman and a slightly effeminate man is then even in this community, oh, I don't put them. I'm trying not to talk over myself. That that those persons are viewed by this heterosexual community and this larger population as something that's a slightly less or more wrong. <clears throat> this is stream of consciousness, y'all. I'm just getting my thoughts out now. Their response was to march defiantly ahead of the parade. Like there, you fucking go. Like oh, we can't. We're not a part of this. We're giving you a bad name. Okay, well, bitch, take this. Walk in my shadow. So, during the gay rights rally at New York City Hall in the early 1970s, they were photographed by Diane Davies. A reporter um, asked Johnson why the group was demonstrating. Johnson shouted into the microphone, Darling, I want my gay rights now. It's my gay rights and I want it now, <laughs> pretty much. It's my money, I want it now. Now, during another incident around this time, Johnson was confronted by police officers for hustling in New York. Now, when the officers attempted to perform an arrest, Johnson hit them with a handbag, which contained two bricks. Now, Marsha ain't nothing if not consistent. Two fucking bricks? Like, what? Now, when asked by the judge for an explanation for hustling, uh, which I'm going to assume is sex work, Johnson claimed to be trying to secure enough money for a tombstone for Johnson's husband. Now, during a time when same-sex marriage was illegal in the United States, the judge asked, what happened to this alleged husband? Johnson responded, pigs killed him. Mm. Initially sentenced to 90 days in prison for the assault, Johnson's lawyer eventually convinced the judge that the Bellevue would be more suitable. Now, the Bellevue <coughs> excuse me, is a hospital, uh, Bellevue Hospital, excuse me, officially New York New York City Health and Hospitals, Bellevue, formerly known as Bellevue Hospital Center, is a hospital in New York and is the oldest public hospital in the United States, one of the largest hospitals in the United States by number of beds, and it's located at 462 First Avenue in the Kipps Bay neighborhood of Manhattan. Um, so those of you who are not familiar, there's a bit of history. So, 
Oh man. Um. So yeah. So getting back to even gay marriage, like we're we're looking at kind of gays throughout history and having these historic moments and these important uh, life events, but then not even adding on the romantic portion of it. This gay marriage not being legal, like not having the opportunity like your cisgendered counterparts to have that union. And like, oh my God, like how, man, I just finished watching Hollywood on Netflix a little while ago, maybe a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording. And to see the anguish and drama surrounding even the gay lifestyle in that more optimistic, brightly, like that very much glee type of show. Um, Even to see it there, it's... Y'all, I don't know, but pigs killed them. You know that much. Uh, so he's sentenced to, uh, just sent, sent Marsha to Bellevue. Now with Rivera, uh, Johnson established the Star House. The Star House is a shelter for gay and trans street kids. Now in 1972, that was when it was founded, um, and paid the rent for it with money that they made themselves as sex workers. So again, support sex workers. This is a podcast that supports sex workers. Sex work is real work. Sex work is work. Um, While the White House was not focused on performance, Johnson was a drag mother of Star House. In the long-standing tradition of chosen family in the black and Latino LGBTQ communities, Johnson worked to provide food, clothing, emotional support, and a sense of family for the young drag queens, trans women, gender nonconformists, and other gay street kids living on the Christopher Street docks or in their houses or on the Lower East Side of New York. There you go, houses. Uh, La Beja, Revlon, um... The extravaganza, uh, like the houses that you see in Pose and that you see in Paris is Burning, those are, well, Pose maybe not so much, but those are real houses. Those are real communities of queer people coming together to support each other. That found family thing is not something to be taken lightly and to see all the shit. Marshall did a lot of fucking shit, like a lot of shit. Like this is shit that should have, this is shit that should have been common knowledge or ingrained within me and so many other people by the time we hit freshman year of high or even learning it in freshman year if you just think that that's when you should but shit hell we learned about American history all through our fucking um, school career so I don't give a damn this shit should it should be known it should be widely known it shouldn't be something that you have to seek out Now, in 1980s, uh, John Johnson continue, continue, continued to play an active part in street activism as a respected organizer and marshal with ACT UP. In 1992, when George Segal's Stonewall Memorial was moved to Christopher Street from Ohio to recognize the gay liberation movement, Marsha commented, How many people have died for these two little statues to be put on a park to recognize gay people? How many years does it take for people to see that we're all brothers and sisters and human beings in the human race? I mean, how many years does it take for people to see that we're all in this race together? Excuse me, this rat race together. Man. Oh, okay. So by, I don't know, y'all. By 1966, Johnson lived on the streets. 
and engaged in survival sex in connection with sex work. Johnson claimed to have been arrested over a hundred times and was also shot once back in the late 1970s. Johnson spoke of having a first of mental breakdowns back in 1970. According to Bob Kohler, Marshall would walk naked up Christopher Street and be taken away for two or three months to be treated with, and I don't know how to pronounce this, it looks like chlorpromazine, I believe that's it, C-H-L-O-R-P-R-O-M-A-Z-I-N-E, chlorpromazine, yeah, Um, and antipsychotic medication. Now, upon returning, the medication would wear off over the course of one month and Johnson would return back to normal. Between 1980 and Johnson's death in 1992, Johnson lived with a friend, Randy Wicker. Now, Randy Wicker uh, was an American author, activist, and blogger. Um, After the involvement in the early homophile and gay liberation movements, Wicker became active around the issues of human cloning, which there's that. Now, Randy Wicker invented Johnson, excuse me, invented, invited Johnson to stay the night one time when it was very cold out, about, they said about 10 degrees, uh, 12, negative 12 Celsius. Now, though generally regarded as a generous and warm-hearted and saintly under the martial persona, Johnson's angry, violent side could sometimes emerge when Johnson was depressed or under severe stress. Now, that... Let's focus on that for a minute. So out of all the things that Johnson has been through, that Marsha has been through, a lot of those same things people experience now within the last few years, well, continuously experienced, but specifically within the last decade. We have drugs. We have names for these things. We have treatment available. And a lot of time when it comes to health care and black people, black women, and let's not get started on black trans women, to get adequate care can be a fucking battle in itself. Um, that's why there's nothing that nothing, but there's very little that you can say about a trans person, especially from way back when, when it comes to survival, that would make me be like, Oh, that person was a horrible person. Times were different then. And the amount of PTSD that we have, or what is it called? Yeah. PTSD that we have from different traumatic events, different environmental um, uh, influences. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a fucking battlefield. So if Marsha has a angry, violent side, that makes sense with all of the shit that she's been through from childhood. I'm, that makes sense to me. But if the same actions were to happen now, there may be a bit more access. But again, being a... Um, trans or gender non-conforming queer person bruh i mm. now some people felt that it was more common for this to happen under johnson's male persona as malcolm during those moments when johnson's violent side emerged now, according to an acquaintance robert hyde johnson could be aggressive and short-tempered and speak in a deeper voice and as malcolm will become a very nasty vicious man looking for fights which is I don't know how I feel about that wording, but it's verbatim. This dual personality of Johnson's had been described as a schizophrenic personality at work. When this happened, Johnson would often get in fights and wind up hospitalized and sedated. And friends would have to organize and raise money to bail Johnson out of jail or to try to secure release from places like Bellevue. 
Now, in the 1979 Village Voice article, The Drag of Politics, this was by Stephen Watson, uh, further elaborated on uh, upon by Stonewall's historian Carter, it had perhaps been for this reason that other activists had been reluctant at first to credit Johnson for helping to spark the gay liberation movement in the early 1970s. Now, that being said, it don't fucking matter. Like, that's, that's the way I look at it. If someone is has mental excuse me, mental health issues or someone is homeless or someone is violent the shit that they do that sparks reform I don't give a damn about that shit like how many artists have terrible oh this ain't the best example Ooh, let me see how many, if you're going to, let's say, for example, talk to someone and you're being really shitty to them and you're being very sarcastic, so they're asking you for help. Let's say they ask you, can you tell me about, I don't know, the Civil War, and you're being very flippant, like, this person is dumb, they should know about the Civil War, and you give, but you're giving them the correct information and they're retaining that, yes, you're a shitty fucking person. But they still walked away from this shitty interaction with that knowledge. Now, that's not to say that I am pro-fucking over anyone. But what I'm saying is, regardless to how Marsha's mental state was, if Marsha threw that brick or was had handled the shot glass, heard around the world, I'm going to fuck if Marsha was schizophrenic, depressed, angry all the time. It still happened and it still caused change. That's what I'm getting at. I hope that's I hope I'm making that clear. If not, that's what I'm trying to say. Now, Watson also reported that Johnson's saintly persona was volatile and listed a roster of gay bars from which Johnson had been banned. At the time of Johnson's death back in 1992, Johnson was said to have been incredibly sick and in a fragile state. Now, shortly after the 1992 Pride Parade, Johnson's body was discovered floating in the Hudson River. Police initially ruled the death a suicide, but Marsha's friends and other members of the local community insisted that Johnson was not suicidal and noted that the back of Johnson's head had a massive wound. According to Sylvia Rivera, their friend Bob Kohler believed Johnson had committed suicide due to an ever-increasing fragile state, which Rivera herself disputed, claiming that she and Marsha had made a pact to cross the River Jordan together the river jordan the um the hudson river now those who were close to marcia considered the death suspicious many claimed that while johnson did struggle mentally this did not manifest itself as suicidal randy wicker later said that marcia may have hallucinated and walked into the river or may have jumped into the river or escaped harassers but stated that johnson was never suicidal again mental health dealing with it back then versus now like i'm sure strides have been made in the 90s and in the late 80s but man now every day you turn on the tv you're going to see a commercial for something for some drug to help deal with something i don't know that mental health education and treatment was as readily available back then if you guys have any first-hand knowledge or know let me know but there is a documentary on Netflix, and I forget the name. My apologies. I'll put it in the show notes. But there is about getting to the bottom of Marsha's 
murder uh, or Marsha's death, I'll say. Uh, and I started watching it some time ago and I think I got like maybe halfway through. But it's a lot. It's a lot for me when when consuming me. Like, OK, uh, you know, we have the protests going on. We have the COVID going on. And I remember back when 9-11 happened and I would sit on my bed after school and just watch all of this footage and it's not lost on me that a lot of what I was doing for eight, nine, ten hours a day probably affected me in ways that I don't even know. So when it comes to a lot of the police violence and the protest and the COVID updates and just the state of the world that we're in now, I cannot, I have to, I have to take a step back. And I remember watching the Marsha Netflix doc and even seeing other um, other shows and movies and just being exhausted. Uh, now, my plan is to complete the whole project, to watch it all, because I think it's very important to, but when it deals with queer people and death and violence and harassment and mental health issues and being fucking violence and violated and having traumatic experience it's a lot it is a lot and it takes a lot out of me um it's it's a lot um if you guys have seen the documentary or you know it uh comment below and tweet me carefree blur like i said i'm going to find a way uh get my hands on the title and put it in the show notes but even still let me know now several people came forward to say that they had seen johnson harassed by a group of quote-unquote thugs who had also robbed people. According to Wicker, a witness saw a neighborhood resident fighting with Marshall on July 4th of 1992. Now, during the fight, he used a homophobic slur and later bragged to someone at a bar that he had killed a drag queen named Marsha. <sighs> the witness was not successful in relaying this information to the police. Well, ugh. Other locals stated that later that the law enforcement was not interested in investigating Johnson's death stating that the case was about a gay black man and wanting to, little to do with that at that time. Now, there's an episode of Pose, and I can't remember the exact episode. It was season two, and it was about... It was during the episode that Electra was speaking to... Damn, was it after she killed that man? And No, no, excuse me, after that man died and she put him in her closet. It was somewhere around that episode where they talked to a um, trans woman who was a sex worker who had relayed her story, which was that she was having sex with a John, with a guy, white guy, and then they got into it about money, I think, and then he called the police and she was taken off to jail. And that's what this reminds me of. Like, you can just throw away these people. Like, not only... God. God. Whatever. Uh, Marshall was cremated and following a funeral at a local church, friends released Johnson's ashes over the river. Police allowed 7th Avenue to be closed while Marshall's ashes were being carried to the river, which is it's the least you could do, damn it. Now, former New York politician Tom Duane, D-U-A-N-E, fought to reopen the case because usually, as he said, usually when there's a death by suicide, the person usually leaves a note. She didn't leave a note. Now, in November of 2012, activist Maria Lopez succeeded in getting the New York Police Department to reopen the case as a possible homicide. After the NYPD opened the case, the uh, police reclassified Johnson's cause of death from suicide 
to undetermined. Now, in 2016, Victoria Cruz, the anti-violence project, also tried to get Johnson's case reopened and succeeded in gaining access to previously unreleased documents and witness statements. Now, she sought out new interviews with witnesses, friends, and other activists and police who had worked the case or had been on the force at the time of Marsha's probable murder. Now, some of her work uh, to find justice for Marsha was filmed by David France for the 2017 documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. Now, that may very well be the title of the doc, but I feel like I've seen two floating around, two or three, and there was some things I saw on YouTube as well. I'll, you know, I'll just try to link everything, at least the title for everything that I find in the show notes so that you guys, if you want to look them up or um, whatever, they'll be there. And if you guys know of any, let me know as well. Tweet me, carefreeblurred. Email me, carefreeblacknarrative at gmail.com. Put it in the comments. Let me know your history with Marsha. Um, if you've known anything, if you've watched any of these documentaries, if you have a friend of a friend, a family member, or someone who knew somebody, just give me all. I want everything. I want it all. Now, um, there had been some tributes. The 2012 documentary, Pay It No Mind, The Life and Times of Marsha P. Johnson, heavily features segments from a 1992 interview with Marsha, which was filmed shortly before Marsha's death. Now, many friends in Johnson's of Johnson, excuse me, from Greenwich Village are interviewed for that documentary. Now, because there are so many, I'm wondering... I don't know. We'll figure it out. Like I said, check the show notes, guys. Now, Johnson appears as a character in two fictional film dramas that are based on real events, including Stonewall, which is back in 2015, played by Otaja Abit, and Happy Birthday, March in 2016, played by Mia Tyler. Now, both movies are creative interpretations inspired by the Stonewall Uprising. Now, that 2015 Stonewall, I think that's the one that I deliberately didn't watch, where it it centered that white guy. Mmm, I wonder. I think think that is it. Now, the 2017 documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, follows trans woman Victoria Cruz of the Anti-Violence Project as she investigates Johnson's murder. I think this is the one. Because I remember it was um, a woman of a certain age, a mature woman, interviewing a lot of people. So I think this is the one that's from Netflix, guys. I'll I'll check it out. But again, check the show notes. Um, Now, it follows, of course, woman Victoria Cruz of the Anti-Violence Project as she investigates Johnson's murder. Like Pay It No Mind, it relies on archival footage and interviews. New York City artist mm, Anoni, A-N-O... H-N-I, Anoni, uh, produced multiple tributes to Johnson, including a Baroque pop band, Anthony and the Johnsons, named in Johnson's honor, and a 1995 play about Johnson, The Ascension of Marsha P. Johnson. Now, Anoni um, is an English-born singer, composer, and visual artist. She was formerly the lead singer of that band, Anthony and the Johnsons. American drag queen and TV personality RuPaul has called Johnson an inspiration, describing Johnson as the true drag mother. During an episode of his show RuPaul's Drag Race back in 2012, RuPaul told her contestants that Johnson paved the way for all of them. Um, Back in 2018, the New York Times published a belated obituary for Johnson, which is, again, the least you can do. A large painting mural depicting Johnson and Sylvia Rivera went on display in Dallas, Texas just last year, back in 2019, to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. 
the painting, the two pioneers of the gay rights movement in front of a transgender flag, claims to be the world's largest mural, mural, oh, excuse me, mural honoring the trans community. Uh, and then, uh, forgive me, Sylvia Rivera, I did not mention any of this, was a Latin American gay liberation and transgender rights activist, prominent as an activist and community worker back in New York, of course. She identified as a drag queen, participated in demonstrations with the Gay Liberation Front. I think it's very important to note that Sylvia Rivera was a Latin American gay person, not a black person. She was a Latin American person. Now, on May of May 30th, rather, of 2019, it was announced that Johnson and Sylvia Rivera would be honored with monuments in Greenwich Village near the site of the Stonewall Club. Construction is rumored to be completed by 2021, but with all of the shit we got going on, I'm not sure if there's any updates. Well, I'll say I haven't looked for any updates, but with COVID and the protests and whatnot, I wonder if it's still being built. Okay. Now, these monuments of Johnson and Rivera would be the world's first to honor transgender activists. Whew. On May 31st, 2019, queer street artist Homo Riot and this Suriani, yeah, Suriani, I think that's it, created a mural as a part of the World Pride Mural Project and Stonewall 50. World Pride, New York City, 2019. Uh, they dedicated the Queer Liberation featuring multiple images of Marsha. The mural, located at 2nd Avenue in Houston Street in New York, was curated by photographer and filmmaker Daniel Dusty Albanese. In June of 2019, Johnson was one of the inaugural 50 American pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted into the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument. This is back in New York City at the Stonewall Inn. Uh, the SNM, Stonewall National Monument, is the first U.S. national monument dedicated to LGBTQ rights and history. And the wall's unveiling was time to take place during the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. I remember so many different stories about that 50th anniversary, about World Pride, and about like New York and things going on at that time. Um, the ones that stick out to me were negative, so I won't bring those up. But I remember... A lot of stories coming out then. Now, on February 1st of 2020, Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York announced that the East River Park in Brooklyn will be renamed in Johnson's honor. It will be the first New York State Park named after an LGBTQ person. And that is what we have on Marsha P. Johnson. Guys, this is a lot. This is a lot. I'm still learning. Um, I'm still figuring things out. Happy Pride. Let me know again if anything I said is incorrect. You have anything to add. Um, you have a bit more details about anything. Um, let me know. Actually, if you want to go so far as to like leave me a voice note or something, I'll add it to another episode of Carefree Black Nerd Podcast or I'll update it to be a part of this one or I'll create a whole nother episode in itself. Email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com if you want to do that. Um, there's no time limit, but I say at least like before June is over, you know, give me that. <sighs> give me your information because though I'm going through and I'm learning myself, there are people who know more. There are people my age who know more, people older and younger. I'm not afraid of being 
taught anything. If I don't know, hell, I don't know. So if you know more, let me know. Um, yeah, happy Pride. So it's I, I feel good coming back to Carefree Black Nerd proper and starting with this as a the issue that, that kicks it all off. Um, the state of the world is very different from just a year ago. Just from last December, hell. And I want everyone to stay encouraged. I use that hashtag CBN LGBTQ if you want to promote anything from a queer person, someone in the community. Um, I'll definitely be checking the hashtag and reposting and supporting. Please sign these petitions. Sign the sign, just if you can exist online, Twitter specifically, and not know what the hell is going on. Black Lives Matter. Black trans lives matter. Black gay lives matter. Um. Don't don't come out on the other side of this world event on the wrong side. Uh, I, I don't have a lot to say um, in this moment, but thank you all for listening. Thank you for being with me so far. I'm coming up on a fifth year of podcasting, which is like, I'm, I can't even believe it. Hell, um. If there's something else that you want me to discuss, tweet me, Carefree Blurred, email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Just get in touch with me and then we'll kind of go from there because I'd like to make this as interactive as possible. Um, I'm just happy to be able to get out this much of the story, as much as I could find on my own. Uh, We're going to cut it here, but let me know in the comments if you know you knew about Marsha, if you didn't know, if you learned something today, if you're interested in learning more. If you know more, um, tweet me Carefree Blurred. Every other social media app is Carefree Black Nerd. Um, email me, voice notes, ideas, thoughts. If you just want to get some stuff off your chest, because we are in a very different time, uh, I'm open to that as well. Email me if you want me to read it. I'll I'll read it on the air. Um, Rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Please leave those reviews. Give me that five star. Um, let me know what you like. Yeah, if you don't like something, shit, tell me that too. Uh, but yeah, we're going to end it here. So thank you guys. Happy Pride. Please stay encouraged. Stay safe. Uh, protesters out there, you have all of my support. I love you all. And uh, stay carefree. Stay nerdy. Stay aware. Stay safe. Until next time. Hello, Danny dear. What do you think this nasty little gay place? Cute, isn't it? I am playing the character of Marsha P. Johnson. I was scared at first because it's a big character. People know so much about her. She was called the Saint of Christopher Street because of how generous she was to everybody else. That is so <laughs> true, my little oh, Come here, baby. I have so bad. missed you. In 1969, it must have been hard. She really was proud of who she was and held her head high. Marsha Johnson. Marsha P. Johnson, if you please, darling. What does P stand for? K. No man. All right, it's a raid. Getting a line up against the wall. If any of you Lily Law girls want to dance, well, here I am. Ten cents a dance. She was very supportive of the gay rights movement before it actually became a movement. She'll be very happy now because of her standing up. Then this world's totally different. We've got our civil rights! It's because of her. Out of the closet.